0: The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe, your host here every week, bringing you tips, education, and updates on home-related matters. If you're in the real estate market or if you're looking for decorating or improvement ideas for your home, this is a great place to be. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellers, Insurance Advisor at Westland Insurance. The Sitco Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs. And Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the Whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. You can find their contact information and mine by visiting cfax1070.com. Look under shows, and there you'll, there you'll find us, the whole home show with me, Tony Joe. All of our contact information is there. Uh, or you can always just Google Tony Joe Real Estate Victoria. You should be able to find me. I've been selling real estate here in Victoria, after all, for 30 years. Helped hundreds of people in our fair city uh, either purchase or sell or look at investment properties. Uh, it's been my pleasure. It's been my pleasure to be your host here every week for the last four years as well, because I love bringing you great content, uh, including what we're talking about today. Now, something that people often wonder about is how come limited dual agency doesn't exist anymore? Why can't I just go to the listing agent and buy the house that, uh, that they have listed for sale? Well, there's reasons. There's legal reasons. Uh, there are directives from the government And that's what we're talking about today. My guest is Brian Taylor. Brian Taylor is counsel. He's a lawyer in Vancouver. He is also an instructor and an author for the British Columbia Real Estate Association's Legally Speaking newsletter that goes to licensees talking about legal aspects of real estate. By the way, it's available to the public as well, too. None of this is secret information. Uh, He's here to share with us his background, experience, knowledge, knowledge, and answer some questions that maybe people have been wondering as to why this is no longer a thing, why dual agency is no longer a thing. Now, I want to remind you, of course, that if you're looking for legal advice, that's not what Brian's here for today. You need to call the gang at the Sitka Law Group here, our show partner, of course. Uh, And of course, if you've ever got questions or are thinking of needing some legal help with your real estate transaction or wills and estates, corporate personal injury needs, call Gurpreet. Uh, and the team at the Sitco Law Group. Uh, We always start our conversations, our show, with things that are going on out there right now. And I've got a couple things that I want to bring up to you, things of value, I hope, that will help you in your uh, real estate situation, depending on where you're at right now. Uh, I want to give you guys a horror horror story. Sometimes that happens, you know, It's not always grand and pretty out there in the real estate world. You might think, yeah, you know, the real estate market is busy. Realtors are just loving it. Things are so easy. Well, let me tell you a story, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We have clients that moved from Victoria... Uh, up island. And you know, we managed to get a great price for their home. They managed to secure a fantastic property uh, further up island it fits all their needs ticked off all their boxes. This is a dream situation. This is what we're always looking for even in or especially in a crazy and nutty market like we're dealing with right now. Everything's going fine. Packing was happening. Everyone's happy, happy. But then moving day came. And the movers did not Show up. They were confirmed for nine o'clock to pull into the driveway and have things happen. And uh, our client called the moving company, I think around 11 and 12, saying, uh, Did you forget about us? What's going on? No answer. It was quite the struggle. And finally got word back from the moving company Oh, yeah, uh, one of the guys is not feeling well. Maybe he has COVID. So we had to cancel your move. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, is that not? the biggest nightmare you could ever have. And I'm sorry for doing this to you. You might be losing sleep tonight as you think about this. Can you imagine you got everything lined up? You got your money for your house. You've uh, paid for the other house. All you got to do is move from point A to point B, but the movers don't show up. Now, these folks here, these are not young uh, clients. It's not like they can call up their pals and rent the U-Haul and buy pizza and beer. Everything's fine. You know? uh, no, there was not a lot of help or assistance. Uh, by the way, as to the moving company, I, I, it's not my place here to, to name names uh, uh, or any of that kind of thing. I will tell you, it was not one of the reputable local firms. You would never have that kind of situation, I would think, uh, with many of the people that we've worked with locally here, you know, reputation is a very important thing. Uh, this company here apparently didn't really care. Uh, and we've heard stories since that there have been other examples as well, too. I, I just want to say, ladies and gentlemen, um, it's really important that you get a recommendation or a referral from somebody who has used a moving company, any service for that matter, you know, uh, uh, a landscaper or a painter or a carpenter get Testimonials. Get a referral from somebody who has actually dealt with them before, uh, and make sure that uh, you know these people have a proven track record. This moving company, by the way, did not. Uh, I asked our client the other day, like, how did you find them? And she said, well, I just googled online and I and I found them. Sometimes it's not good to go uh, to rely on a Google search for something so crucial because they didn't even call to cancel. They did not even uh, offer solution. They were just like, oh, ah, well, you know, it's too bad. See you later. Um, the folks did manage to rent a, uh, a, a truck, um, but it, it was days of, of uh, it's not good folks. It's just not good. So um, what am I getting at here? Recommendations, referrals. Always go with a with a reputable company uh, because you don't want that happening. You know, it it really everything else is going just fine, and it, it it takes something like this to spoil the already stressful environment of moving from point A to point B. Recommendations and referrals and testimonials so important. That's also true, by the way, if you're choosing a realtor. You know, look for uh, look for ratings. You know, there's rating systems out there. Lots of great people out there. Uh, I know sometimes it's hard to make that decision because you meet so many great people. Um, but just ask for recommendations, testimonials. Uh, I have I ask my clients very often, can somebody give you a call and ask you how uh, how we did? Because I think it's important that a um, uh, it keeps us on line to make sure that we're doing the right things for a client so that we can ask that question of them. It's it's really, really important. Uh, The other thing, uh, folks, I want to talk about is, you know, we're in this market right now, multiple offers bidding wars. It's been like this for a while, right? We're really getting used to it at this point. Happens every once in a while when offers don't come together on the offer day or an offer was accepted, and then it falls apart for whatever reason. You know, maybe there was a condition, maybe uh, who knows, and the property remains on the market. I've heard a lot recently, including from some of our clients, where they say, oh, the place is still available. That's great. Let's make an offer now $150,000 below their list price. I got to tell you guys, it does not work that way. Just because the property remains available doesn't mean all of a sudden it's on sale. We're still in a busy market. We're still in a place where there's no inventory. And not only that, but you think about it from the mindset of the seller. The seller has put their house in the market. They've probably had 40, 50, 80, I don't know, a whole ton of showings. Just because the offer didn't come together on the fifth day, they're not thinking that they're desperate because At this point, they're still thinking they've got a hot property, they look at the news, they know there's no inventory, and they stand their ground. So on one hand, maybe it's an opportunity because you're no longer competing. There might not be five or 10 other parties, and it might not be driving the price up $100,000. So that's good news for you as a buyer. But the bad news is it doesn't mean, like I said, you're going to get it for $150,000 less. If anything, the attitude might be, oh, my goodness. I might be able to actually get this place for the listed price. And I might be able to put conditions on it like subject to inspection or subject to financing or things like that. It's really a mindset. Take the lead of your agent, your representative uh, who will direct you and give you best advice. It's so, so important. Listen, guys, if you have any questions or stories to tell us, just reach out to me. Google Tony Joe Real Estate or email Tony at primeteam.ca Or call me at REMAX Island Properties, 250-419-7439. I would love to talk to you. If you didn't write that number down, by the way, you can always just visit cfax1070.com. Find us, the whole home show. All of our contact information is there. Uh, Looking forward to our conversation today. We're going to be chatting with Brian Taylor. He is a lawyer that's done real estate work with the British Columbia Real Estate Association Association also an author of a very important regular newsletter for real estate licensees here in the province of British Columbia. By the way, folks, if you're a podcast listener, don't forget, you can download all of our past episodes, visit iTunes or Google Play, always tons of great content. Anyways, need to take our first break of the day. We'll be back in just a moment.
1: You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX
0: 1070 thanks for coming back you're listening to the whole home show and i'm tony joe one of the big questions that comes up nowadays for consumers especially in a busy real estate market like we have right now is why can't the agent whose name is on the sign help me buy that house and there's something that many of you might be familiar Uh, it's called limited dual agency and we've talked about this in the program over the course of the past couple of years that was abolished as of June 2018 for a number of reasons. My guest today is going to chat about what limited dual agency was, why it came about, and why it's no longer around. So, my guest online right now uh, is a lawyer from Vancouver. He's also a published author for BCRA, the British Columbia Real Estate Association's Legally Speaking. Uh, um, uh, uh, series which is a a number of uh, tips and basically education for real estate practitioners also available for the public to read Uh, he's also an instructor for realtors uh, at the British Columbia Real Estate Association Uh, very pleased to have him on the line Brian thanks for joining us today my pleasure Tony always a pleasure to chat with you yeah it goes both ways uh, both ways as well Um, So let's start at the very beginning, uh, because you've been around for a long time. Um, Tell us about dual agency and why that existed.
1: Well, dual agency started uh, back in 1994. And and primarily what you have when you have agents is you have an agent. the, The optimum situation in my mind is you have one agent representing the seller, one agent representing the buyer. But there were certain circumstances where the industry thought, particularly, I I think also in smaller towns and rural areas, maybe only one realtor around, is could we have a situation, find a situation where we could have that one realtor act as sort of an intermediary between the two parties? Because clearly, if you think about, if I'm your realtor, let's say you're the seller, I I have a duty to you to always act in your best interest. So I have a duty to to get you the best price to make sure I market it properly. Somebody on the other side who is acting for the buyer has the same duty to the buyer to always act in the buyer's best interest. And in a competitive environment, the buyer's interest and the seller's interest are not the same. Obviously, the buyer would like to sell for the highest possible price with making the lowest number of representations. And the buyer on the other side would like to buy it for the lowest possible price and have the seller make the most representations about the the the, part, uh, the the property. And generally, when you have two realtors, there's a negotiation uh, between the parties finding that sweet spot where both parties agree, yes, I'm prepared to pay X uh, under these conditions. So it, it was challenging to say, well, how could you have the same realtor act in the best interest of the buyer and the seller at the same time? It seems like it's a difficult impossibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so what we looked at uh, this back in 1994. Yeah, because you were is, there.
0: You you were part of this development process, right? I, that's how old I am. I'm very old. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. And so I was I was the lawyer. I was working with the real estate board for that. And so, you know, we came up with this situation to say, well, you could have the one realtor act in the middle, but basically he would have to, he couldn't be acting almost as an agent. He would be a what we call a limited agent. In other words we had to limit his duties because clearly he couldn't act in the best interest of both parties at the same time. So he had to agree to be impartial, to act in the interest of, of, he he said, I will disclose everything to all parties except price, motivation and personal information. So I will tell you everything about the property, good and bad, um, but I won't tell you what my client wants to pay or what your client wants to buy it at. But it was really quite limited because obviously, um, if you ask me a question like, uh, "Why let's are say they you selling?" The seller.
0: Yeah, why, or why? Yeah, why are, yeah. Why are yeah, they selling?
1: I, I can't tell you. Um, <laughs> or, or, or a simple question is: as we're getting closer, the buyer would say, "Well, what clauses should I put in to protect me?" Well, obviously, the challenge was clauses that would protect the buyer probably weren't in the best interest of the seller. So, oftentimes, the realtor has to say, "Well, I can't tell you." and it it became challenging for um it it was used sometimes in areas where it was simply the only issue was price it was very simple and therefore i'm not going to advise you in the price you can figure out what you want a bit but it was
0: basically you tell me what you want to pay
1: exactly and then we can write that up but if you think about the concept of i can't help you if it's going to hurt the buyer it really was limiting in what you could offer as a realtor, what, what a realtor could offer to, uh, to the public. Um, but in certain areas, uh, it was more common than others. I mean, I think you found it a lot in smaller towns. I mean, You go to a place like Horsefly, uh, there might be only one realtor in town. <laughs> well, now to say, sorry, I can't act for both of you. One of you is going to have to drive to Prince George find a or or some other place find a realtor that doesn't know anything about horsefly and come back out here um so uh, it it rambled along for about and and again this went all across canada um started it it most of the changes that occurred in real estate in the, in the early 90s came out of uh, british columbia uh somebody once said to me i always found it interesting they said Real estate law in Canada is like the trade winds. It starts in the west and blows across the country. <laughs> okay. So, so, so I, I mean, I've been in this business, you know, since nineteen well, since nineteen eighty three. I started acting in the real estate industry, and really, all of the innovations, many, most of the innovations in real estate, have come out of uh, uh, the British Columbia, uh, often the Lower Mainland. And, you know, we're the first to sell condos. Um, you know how we're doing uh, different types of listings, those types of things. So. Uh, the rest of the, in the, rest of the uh, country watched what we did, um, adopted that. You can see that down in the States as well. But there were limitations on that. And, and, and that progressed really for about 20, 20 years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, as we got to uh, the changes that occurred five, six, seven years ago, when uh, the superintendent uh, of real estate became more active, um, council was re-looking at um how the public was being served. Uh, and the government, you know, spent a lot of time. They had a it was called the IAG, the Independent Advisory Group, uh, was advising the government on possible changes they want to make. And they said to the government, you may want to look at limited dual agency as to whether it is properly serving uh the public and uh, whether the public understands uh, that they may not be getting by getting a limited agent that that may not be in their best interest they well, may well, be better off to get well, a full agent
0: hold on a second here brian so we because we got we're gonna uh, dive a lot deeper into that whole topic we're gonna do that after mm-hmm. the break here but before we do i just want to uh let the listeners know if you're wondering about who is the superintendent of real estate you know what is the real estate council Well, those are the governing uh, bodies of real estate as it's practiced in British Columbia. They are the organizations that have the power to give a real estate license and also to take a real estate license away. Um, By the way, the Real Estate Council um, is now under the purview of the British Columbia Financial Services uh, Authority, Uh, of which I had the CEO interviewed uh, was last month or the month before. You may have listened to that episode. So I I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that uh, real estate is a regulated industry, just in case you're wondering, you know, when you're out there buying or selling. Yes, the government is overseeing things. And yes, the government intervenes. That's the reason why we're having this conversation today, right, Brian? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, from time to time in the
1: government, there's the Real Estate Services Act, there's real estate... uh, uh, marketing Development Act. I mean, there are laws that regulate the buying and selling, um, uh, the marketing of real estate in British Columbia, and those laws are always being updated by governments as, as they see
0: fit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, just before we stop off uh, for our for, for our next break here, um, we were talking about limited dual agency, yeah. and again, answering that question that consumers have, which is why you know why can't i just go to the listing agent directly and i should answer the question right now you can ladies and gentlemen it is possible you just need to understand the limitations that that agent has as far as representation and a number of other things but uh, now it's the time for us to take our break when we come back we're having a conversation with Brian Taylor uh, author of BCRA the British Columbia Real Estate Association's one of the authors of legally speaking and a fantastic resource Again, Brian, thanks for joining us, but don't go anywhere because we'll be back in just a moment. Now,
1: The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.
0: Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellers, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wells and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. Again, you can find our contact information by visiting cfax1070.com. Uh, look under shows. There you'll find us, the whole home show with me, Tony Joe. All of our contact information is there. You can always reach me as well too. Always happy to chat with you. And by the way, if you're a podcast listener, you can listen to all of our four years worth of episodes on iTunes or Google Play. Just download and listen to your heart's content. We are having a chat today about limited dual agency and going to the listing agent of property, and hoping to get service. We're having a conversation today with real estate lawyer Brian Taylor. Brian uh, practices in Vancouver. I get the privilege of actually chatting with him. He's he's holidaying right now on Vancouver Island, just up the street, <laughs> and uh, always a pleasure chatting with you, uh, Brian, again. Thanks for coming today.
1: Pleased to be As I said to Tony earlier, I'm coming to you from the a parking lot of the country grocer uh, grocery <laughs> store because i don't have cell service in the cabin down at the beach but well and that's the way it should be
0: that's the way it should absolutely. be absolutely right?
1: yeah one of the things that we talked about just before we let off and and you know you said well you know why wouldn't the the buyer go directly to to the seller one of the things that I think is important...
0: Well, you, hold, yeah. hold on a second, Brian. Before you, you jump in, yep. I, I think I want to sort of lay the uh, the picture for, for our listeners because you know sometimes consumers think it's like buying a car. I'm going to go to the car lot. I'm going to speak to a salesperson and I'm going to buy the car. And sometimes the thought is, well, I'll just go into an open house or I'll have a look at the house. I'll call the realtor whose name is on the sign and then all that's all I need to do. So, so normally that's the mindset of consumers, right? Um, but Brian, you're just getting into right now how that could be potentially a drawback, right?
1: Yeah, but I and I, I draw that parallel as well. When you go onto a car lot and a fellow comes out and, or a gal, and they shake your hand, and they've got a little sign on their top saying "Tony from you know A-Max ABC Motors,", Motors. yeah. You don't suggest, oh, Tony's there because he's my agent. He owes duties to me. He's employed by Amax Motors. Obviously, he's there in the best interest of Amax Motors. He's trying to sell me something that they own. And in the same sense, when you go into an open house as a buyer, uh, that person who is representing the seller, uh, think of it this way. If I was selling my house, I would want that person representing my best interest. not the the buyer's best interest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so buyers, I think, need to understand, although the the realtor is very helpful, can answer your questions, he or or she isn't providing you advice. They're providing you answers to questions. And we live in what's called a caveat emptor system, which is buyer beware. Uh, And I don't think in my 35 years dealing in the real estate industry, I've seen too many buyers who somehow think that the seller or the seller's agent is obligated to tell them all the bad things about the house. Oh, there's traffic problems here. And, you know, we got a bit of this and a bit of that. And the answer, of course, primarily, except for certain limitations about defects, which you have to disclose, um, that's not the case. It is the courts look at that and say that it is a buyer's obligation to do their own what we call due diligence to figure that out. Now, some buyers feel that they are capable of doing that due diligence themselves. But most buyers, I think, in residential setting, need the assistance of somebody who's on the, who's in their corner, who's on their side. Uh, this is probably for most consumers the single biggest transaction by a factor of a hundred that we make in our lives. We're in British Columbia, particular. You're putting out a lot of money uh, in what we call a buyer beware situation, and I think that the danger people have is thinking, because this person is in the open house, they somehow owe a duty to me to help me. And that really isn't the case. And that's why uh, in many transactions, the buyer has their own realtor, seller has their own realtor. And both of those are the, they are the experts. Uh, They know what they're supposed to be doing. They are helping their client navigate the waters of this transaction as best they can trying to come to, as I said earlier, that midpoint where uh, there has been full disclosure, people understand the good and the bad about the property, uh, the buyer's prepared to pay X, the seller's prepared to accept X, uh, and we have a deal. Uh, and I think going back to the concept of limited dual agency, uh, where you had that person in the middle, I think sometimes buyers and sellers thought, well, he must be acting for me in my best interest when he's talking to me. And the answer, of course, was uh, they weren't. Uh, They had to be neutral. And sometimes neutrality, if there are issues that have to be sorted out, neutrality is not the best way to go.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, as you said
1: earlier, if 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 the only issue was price, probably you don't need a lot. Neither side needs a lot of advice. But in most transactions, particularly in the resale of property that's been around for a while. There's lots of other issues other than price that are going down, you know, Oh yeah, we got of the property. Do we need it inspected? Should yeah. we have an inspection? What's the inspection going to say? Who's going to fix what? All those types of things. Uh, and when you had a, a, a limited agent who was saying, well, I can't really advise you on any of that because I have to be impartial between the two parties. Uh, I think that created challenges.
0: Yeah, well, and and that's the other thing too, because in the in the mode of limited dual agency, I think often sellers didn't understand that the licensee's obligations shifted. They didn't have yeah. the same amount of responsibility to the seller under that circumstance. But I I feel that a lot of times sellers didn't know. Sellers probably felt, oh, they're still my agent. They're still working one hundred percent for me, which was yeah. not true, right?
1: No, I, I I I agree. I think that the uh, that there was still the feeling of well. Um, when I'm talking to him, he must or he or she must be giving, you know, telling me everything. And, and you know, it was important for realtors to make sure that people understood uh, that that wasn't the case. But sometimes people hear what they want to hear. And and um, I think sometimes in the end, those situations where something went wrong later on, uh, and one of the parties, either the buyer or the seller, Said, well, I felt I was aggrieved because my agent didn't protect me in that situation. Mm-hmm. The courts ended up saying, really, you agreed that he wouldn't protect you. There, she, not that they wouldn't protect you, but that they couldn't because they owed equal duties to both parties. Uh, and it because out because they be,
0: they were not their agent solely.
1: <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. A, well. The concept when you think of the words, we just it blow it off. Limited dual agency dual agency means dual which is i'm the agent of two parties not one party so i'm single it's dual and then it's the qualifier that it is limited which means i'm a limited agent which is if you think of the the role of an agent which is basically to always act in, in you know in your best interest to disclose everything to you and to keep all your confidentiality those are the three pillars of agency Mm-hmm. And then I'm saying, yeah, but I'm limited in that because how can I disclose everything to you and keep the confidentiality of my other client?
0: Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. So, well, And that, this is something that does yeah. not exist in the law profession. No,
1: no, we are, are much more restrained in, in and there are, it's, it's interesting. The law generally, the common law says, as long as your clients agree to it, it's okay. But Your clients can really agree to anything. Except when you get in, in my profession, what the law society has said is we don't care if your clients agree to it, except in very, very limited circumstances, you can't do it. Uh generally, the regulating body in the real estate profession, unlike the law profession, didn't go there for a number of years. They said, Well, you know, we're we're not going to address that issue. If if the law says the parties can agree to it, we'll allow them to agree to it. Ironically, you would think. The, the regulating body is now sort of caught up with the legal profession and maybe the accounting profession and saying, we really don't care if parties want to agree to it. We don't think we're, we're not gonna allow it to happen.
0: Oh, okay, so well, goodness.
1: So they've effectively, except banned. for limited circumstances, banned limited dual
0: agency. Numbers. Well, we're gonna chat about that uh, after our last to final break that's coming up here right now, because it's important for people to, 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 to know, Uh, Again, how this all functions. We're talking about limited dual agency and how real estate has changed over the course of the past few years. We're having a conversation with Brian Taylor, a lawyer from Vancouver. Uh, As a reminder, if you're looking for legal advice here locally, don't forget to look up Gurpreet and the team from the Sitco Law Group that enables our program to come here uh, every week. But we need to take our last break of the day. We'll be back in just a moment.
1: This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe
0: on CFAX 1070. Hey there, thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're having a conversation today about how real estate is purchased here in British Columbia specifically, because our rules are different from the rest of the country. Uh, people are familiar with this whole notion of dual agency, and that's you walking into the doorstep of a home and talking to the seller's agent, and maybe even thinking about buying it. But if you don't have an agent, you might want to try to ask that agent to help you out. Well, that changed as of June the 15th, 2018. And we're having a conversation right now with Brian Taylor. Brian Taylor is a lawyer uh, in Vancouver, real estate law. He is also one of the uh, authors of the British Columbia Real Estate Association's Legally Speaking uh, publication, which is for real real estate licensees, uh, tips on how to avoid jail basically (laughs) uh and he he also is an educator and an instructor for the british columbia real estate association again brian thanks for thanks for coming and joining us today my pleasure okay so before the break we were talking about um uh the change and the shift uh how let's talk right now about what has happened so as of 2018 you alluded earlier to the superintendent of real estate the real estate council which is now bcfsa um discussion groups and everything why are we here what why did the change happen I,
1: i i think i can't speak for government but i think as a policy directive government feels they're not going to mandate it, but they feel that the best place for buyers and sellers to be is each with their own realtor. They feel that they are, I think the government feels for consumers in a residential setting, this is the largest transaction they will do. There are legal complications and implications out of a caveat emptor. And I think if you drill down and ask them, they would say, We would feel most comfortable. If the buyer and the seller each had their own representatives, uh, then it would be a level playing field. They'd each have, you know, proper um, expert advice to to do that. And I think that they just felt that in a situation that it it was possible that the public didn't really appreciate how limited they were getting in a limited dual agency situation.
0: Mm-hmm. And now okay. the other
1: question would be, well, why couldn't we just? Make sure we advise the public properly and have and that. And I think they their their feeling was, look, this has been doing it for 20 years. Uh, we're still hearing anecdotally that the public seem to feel that that uh, they are getting more representation than they actually are. And so I think they just made the step to say, um, there's lots of realtors, lots of good realtors out there. Uh, buyers and sellers can get their own, and then we'll, you know, uh, then everybody will be happier.
0: Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, when I was the president of the real estate board, I remember going through stories of the professional standards or the, the complaints committee. And it occurred to me that a lot of them, may, maybe most of them had to do with a consumer being in this position where they went to the listing agent directly. Uh, and they entered into this limited dual agency agreement. And throughout the entire time, they thought they, they were getting representation by that person without understanding, as you said before the break, that, that the agent was not their sole agent. So they went through this process um, misled into what they were getting into. And that's, you know, it's usually the buyer that complains, right? Well, and, and the irony also
1: in that is that it is hard in, in a lot of those uh, complaint situations, I'm sure the listing agent said, I was telling them that I wasn't his agent. But they just wouldn't listen or they didn't want or didn't or didn't hear that. And so in many ways, limited dual agency sometimes became a bit of a trap also for realtors in the sense that the uh, they have duties to disclose to make sure all the parties to to the transaction know who they represent or in this case, represented both. And if that isn't clear, it always comes back to in many ways to bite the realtor. well, Um, well,
0: Well, hold on a second the realtors aren't all innocent because because there has been there were there's been a lot of cases where that listing agent says oh hey mr buyer don't call your agent come to me directly because i'll save you money you know the the challenge
1: for realtors was to make sure that they explained, uh and and sometimes in human nature you think when we're talking to our spouses lots of times (laughs) we think we explain things better than we do when we kind of hope that they're not going to ask too many, too many questions. And <laughs> yes. have you ever had that Tony, where you say to your wife, I thought, I, I thought I told you I was there. never, says, never. No, I, did, I didn't hear that. <laughs> I didn't hear that at all. <laughs> I know. And so, and that of course, in, in the sense, what I always would say to realtors at the end of the day, it's not your job. It's your job to make sure the client understood. And, it's sometimes people say, well, I told them once and they didn't get it. And I would think that those are the ones that would come back to buy realtors because I think counsel would generally look at that and say, you've got to, it's your job to make sure your client uh, understands. Here's a good example. I'm a a listing agent. You come into my uh, open house and you say, I'm thinking of buying this, this house. And I say, Tony, I want you to understand I'm the listing agent. I act for the seller. I can't give you any advice. Do you understand that? you say, absolutely. Next question out of your mind, what do you think I should offer? Yeah. Well, the, the answer is you didn't get it, Tony. Yeah. My job is I got to tell you again. I might have to tell you 10 times. Mm. And that's the challenge I think that people have is, is that they hear these things. Buyers hear the, the, the realtor saying, I don't act for you. I can't give you any advice but by their actions it's clear they didn't understand that because i mean sure you as a listing agent have had that often when you have a a, a buyer coming in and asking what do you think i should offer for this and you're thinking y- you really need to understand i i can't tell you well it's listed for 480,000 but i think you should offer 400,000 well y- i'm sure your seller would not be pretty it w- would be upset with yeah. that so no. it's clear that oftentimes the public doesn't really understand what what the role of that person is that that it's up to the realtor to explain uh and um, at the end of the day it's a lot easier if you have your own realtor
0: yeah
1: they, they well, can they they can help you get get through that
0: yeah and 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 again we can't most definitely cannot blame consumers because really at the end of the day all they want is to buy the house Absolutely. and and in some ways we put up this barrier with agency, and sometimes consumers they're they're like, you know, why do we have to go through all this? We just want to buy the house. But at the end of the day, uh, this is agency has all been devised to protect the best interest of consumers, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. That the, the 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 if it wasn't so complicated, I mean, the the you know, you either go to a lawyer or that, but you or or to to a realtor, but they're this is a complicated process. It's not like going to Canadian Tire and buying lawn furniture where <laughs> the price is, where the price is the price. And even if the lawn furniture doesn't turn out to be that good, it was only 20 bucks for a chair. It's right. not the end of the world. We're talking about your life savings. We're talking about an enormous amount of money that you are going to put out in a reasonably complicated there's lots of moving parts in a real estate transaction. You know, you buy a property and it turns out there was, you know, there's some contamination on it. Who's, should that have been disclosed? Should have been disclosed? Who's liable for that? Um, I now own this place. All sorts of things uh, can go uh, can go wrong. And I think that the, you know, the role of the, the view of the government was when we go back to limited dual agency, that they just didn't feel comfortable with one realtor in the middle acting as kind of what we will call a facilitator, uh, basically the agent to no one. Um, or, or their duties were so limited.
0: Yeah. Uh, just so our, so as our listeners know, I mean, just to, to, to recap here, limited dual agency is no longer a possibility. It's basically being abolished, except in market yeah. areas where finding another agent is what they call impracticable, right? Yes.
1: And so you're really thinking in a small market horsefly, um, you know, places where it is. Is there actually a place called Horsefly? Another. You've mentioned there that twice a place now. Horse, Horsefly, <laughs> okay. BC. There's okay. Yak, BC. There's yeah. Wasp, There's lots of interesting spots, and yeah. they all have real estate. Yeah. Uh, and in some places, there's only one realtor. Yeah. And and so the challenge there is, I mean, there are. Uh, it has to be approved by the managing broker. There there are steps to go through, mm-hmm. um, but. I think for the market in Victoria, for most of your listeners, listening to it uh, on CPACS or Vancouver, the lower mainland, uh, that just, that, that exception isn't going to apply because uh, there are plenty of realtors, uh, licensed realtors in Victoria uh, that, that you get that. And I think that, um, you know, I'll ask you, Tony, are, when you do a listing, um, how many real, how many, out of the uh, buyers that come through your open house, yeah. how many would be unrepresented?
0: Oh, rare! It's, it's very rare. Um, yeah. you know, I, I might get two or three requests for viewings. We still need to go through a process, though. You know, because we need to vet people to make sure they're an actual legitimate buyer. Most of yeah. the time, most of the time today, they're represented. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, and 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 ironically, would you agree that probably makes your job a little easier?
0: Yes. Yeah, because it's clear. Immediate it,
1: thought is, it, the immediate thought sellers would say, oh, it's clear. You want to have somebody on the other side that doesn't know what they're doing. And I think the answer from the professionals would be, no, you don't. It, it's a lot easier to have a professional on the other side. He or she knows what's going on. These are the issues we got to resolve. The rest of the stuff doesn't matter. Let's get down to the brass tacks and, and, and see if we can make a deal that satisfies both the buyer and the seller, which is really the role of whether they're two lawyers acting together or they're two realtors acting together, the role of the professional is to cut through the legal stuff to protect both parties and have both parties reach an agreement which they are satisfied with.
0: And, that is, uh, that and, that is, and that's best done when both parties have their own independent representation.
1: Absolutely. I, I, I could not agree more with you. I, and, and I think that that is and um, probably the view of the government as to why they said we would much rather have two realtors involved than one realtor. So except in very, very limited exceptions, uh, we're not, uh, we're not going to permit limited dual agency.
0: Well, Hey, listen, we got to wrap up our episode here, but I, I got to say one thing I haven't identified yet a market area where the exemption exists. I mean, maybe I got to look up horsefly, but, but really in actuality, there's no place in BC where you can limited dual agency anymore
1: one of the challenges is there is and i i really have not kept up with the debate but there has been debate over the word impracticable okay does impracticable i guess you could fly a realtor in from victoria you know <laughs> exactly. uh, is, so i think that that you know and, and a lot of realtors are nervous saying well i don't want to go ahead and, and be a limited dual agent if somehow that violates the rule cuz we're not sure what that is so uh, there is, I will leave it at that. There's an ongoing <laughs> debate between the, the superintendent, the council, uh, and, and organized real estate as to exactly how this is supposed okay. to work. But hopefully, uh, minds will get together and we will sort that as we go forward.
0: Fantastic. But that's Brian, not an
1: issue. I don't think that's an issue in Victoria
0: right now. No, not at all. Not at all. Brian, always a pleasure. I enjoy every moment I spend with you. And you are a wealth of knowledge and, you know, knowing your back history and um, uh, everything. uh, Always a great resource. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Always a pleasure to talk to you, Tony.
0: Yeah. And to the rest of our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.